0: One, two, three,
1: four.
0: Monster Movie. Funtime go! Monster Movie! Funtime go! Monster Movie! Funtime
1: Go! Monster, Monster
0: Movie! movie. Funtime go!
1: With Precious D and Honey Bee. Funtime
0: Go! Hello and welcome to Monster Movie Funtime Go. I'm Precious D.
1: And I am Honey Bee. Welcome back, everybody.
0: Today, we will be taking a look at Beginning of the End.
1: Or, as I like to call it, blah, blah, blah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will explain why later. 1957 Black and White, directed by Bert I. Gordon, starring Peter Graves and Peggy Castle. Budget I have is just ultra low. I don't know what the box office was. Monsters are giant locusts that are eight feet big and the death count is thousands
1: thousands
0: and i give it our basic racism factor one because there are no non-white people in it uh, yay, yay. gordon purchased 200 non-hopping online grasshoppers in texas and then had problems bringing them to california the agriculture department or somebody insisted on individually sexing each of them to make sure There were no females because they didn't, I guess they would be an invasive species if they got out. They began cannibalizing each other, and there were only 12 left by the time he started shooting. (laughs) This movie is is a direct result of the success of them, even going so far as to cast the brother of one of the stars of them, James Arnaz. As we mentioned in our Them episode, Peter Graves is the brother of James Arnaz. They never appeared in anything together, but Peter Graves did appear in a ripoff of his brother's better movie. So,
1: Damn it! That's like <laughs> wanting fruity pebbles but getting fruity <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, and, and sometimes you cast an off sheen brother. Oh, my God. Or, ba- or Baldwin. Although I would say Baldwin. that James Ernest and Peter Graves, well, first of all, they were using different names, so they weren't advertising that they were just And I think right. they had fairly equal Careers. One of them that was not just disproportionately more successful than the other it was to say, Adam or Alec Baldwin and Stephen. You define your own success. <laughs> sure. So the the movie the movie opens. The movie At opens make with
1: make out point.
0: Make out point one mile from Ludlow, Rantoul, twenty five miles from Champaign. We're in Illinois. There's a couple making out in a car.
1: Oh, la, la, la,
0: la, 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 la. <laughs> Is that how you make out? Is that you?
1: Yeah, I am pretty sure you just like open mouth and blah, 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 blah,
0: blah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good to know. <laughs> and the loma woman looks up and screams and then very dramatic music and some opening credits.
1: Please yeah, cut. I feel like it was such a power move to put credits at the end of a movie. At the end. <laughs> Yeah, because now we put credits at the end. We don't have credits oh. at the beginning there's, of the movie anymore.
0: There's, there's sometimes opening credits.
1: It just, yeah, just not like this. Not like it used right. to be.
0: Yeah. So The police car, police car 254 is driving along, spewing a lot of police jargon over the radio. They see something and pull over. And the car from the opening scene is just smashed to hell. Yeah, they foul play is suspected. They foul find play the car. That's right. That's what I wrote. Foul play. <laughs> Foul play. Foul play is suspected. They find a wallet. William yes. Somerville of Ludlow is likely the driver.
1: We'll one, of girl's
0: one of us will stay here. One of us will go check the address. And I don't know if you noticed this. There are a lot of crickets in the background. Oh, a lot of cricket noise. A lot of cricket noises in the background, which is some foreshadowing. Uh, then we cut to a little bit later. Car 8 is on the scene, checking things out. And the headquarters says, car 54 failed to report. And they call out to car 54. Hello, are you there? Hello? The guy comes running up to the car and grabs the microphone and says, the whole town is destroyed. Send help. And we cut to a pretty lady in the car. It's daytime now. And I wrote, is she a scientist? That she sure
1: appears to be one.
0: Imagine if real life was such that every time you saw a pretty lady, you said, Oh, she's quite attractive. I wonder if she's a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is in these movies. Like, it really just, is. <laughs> yeah. Assume she must be a scientist. But no, we find out in a moment she is a photojournalist. Apparently a famous one. Mm. Everybody she meets says, Oh, yeah, I've read your work.
1: Oh, you. I saw your picture story.
0: <clears throat> so She comes to a roadblock. The town is closed. Take the detour lady. And... She pulls off and goes back to show her credentials. I know I'm a reporter. Can I come in? Uh, she's got a real Lois Lane sort of name. Audrey Ames. Very old. Mm-hmm. With the National Wire Service. I want to say here, now. this is not a great movie. Yeah, mostly, it's not. Mostly because of the effects. But I'm inclined to give this movie a sexism rating of negative one. because Audrey have to- Ames is a
1: badass bitch.
0: Yeah, we've had some movies before where the movie itself wasn't sexist, but some of the characters in it are. None of the characters in this movie are remotely sexist. Nobody questions her ability. Nobody comments on her looks. Mm -hmm. Nobody says, you shouldn't be here, you're a woman, or any of that kind of shit that we normally get in these movies. Everybody just accepts her as a professional doing her job and interacts with her as another professional doing their job and I really appreciated that. One guy later comes close to sort of maybe asking her out and just immediately drops it. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the closest we get. And I liked it. So
1: and I liked it. good
0: for you. <laughs> good for you, movie. So she uh, drives away though and they're not going to let her in and tries to sneak around another way and take a picture but a soldier catches her <laughs> And she has to speak to the manager. <laughs> she wants to talk to his supervisor, and he tells her that's a general so and so. He's headquartered in Paxton, and he'll leave the camera at the roadblock for her. At HQ, Paul Freeze is on the radio. We mentioned Paul Freeze back in the Rodan episode as being the voice of the police chief in that movie. Uh, he's done a lot of cartoon work, and
1: oh yeah, uh, okay.
0: You might know him as Burgermeister Meisterburger from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. He's all over this movie, but we don't see him once. Every time somebody is on radio uh, talking over a walkie-talkie or radio of some kind, you know, guys in the helicopter, multiple different characters are all voiced by Paul Rees. We love to so see it. He's on the radio right now, and the colonel's busy, but maybe Captain Barton can help you They tell Ames who's come to the headquarters to see the manager. And here the captain, the captain knows her work, knows who she is right away. Oh, are you the Ames that wrote that piece on that thing? I liked that. I enjoyed it. And she agrees to wait until they give word to print anything if they'll give her some information. And he t- explains to her that 150 people from the town of Ludlow just disappeared. So they offer to let her sit in on questioning, and they question a guy named Dave, who's played by Hank Patterson, who was Fred Fred Ziffel on Green Acres. Also had a recurring part as Hank on Gunsmoke, so there we have another James Arness connection. They're asking him about what time he left Ludlow. So he was there apparently last night, but left before whatever happened happened. He left around 11.30, and then they talked to Edna, who seems to be with the phone company, and she became aware that no one was answering the phones in at 4.45, so... Thanks,
1: Edna!
0: That is uh, a timeline, Then somewhere between those two times is when the shit hit the fan. <laughs> okay, so the colonel, she gets to talk to the colonel now, and he also knows Audrey's work. hmm And... He talks to her about the need for security and closes the scene by saying a town of 150 people doesn't just disappear. She calls her editor in New York on a car phone. Yeah. Fancy. A lot of times in these movies, you see all the reporters rush for the pay phones and push each yeah. other out of the way so they can call in their story. Audrey Ames is not messing around with any of that crap. She has her own car phone.
1: I thought which, this was weird though because she just had this conversation where they were like, You promise that you're not going to say anything or like you're not going to print the story? And she was like, Yep, I promise. And then she went, she goes and like tells her boss, who's like, Woo, yeah. And then she's like, But wait, you can't (laughs) tell anyone either.
0: Right. Well, no, she does have to uh, let let him know what she's working on because she's abandoned abandoned the story she started. Okay. I guess as long as she doesn't print it, she can talk to her boss about it. So she verifies that there was a plane spotted over Ludlow. Mm-hmm. Maybe, that, maybe that was the cause, but they verified that it was a commercial flight. And the only ones doing radiation experiments in the area are the Department of Agriculture outside of Paxton. It likely was not a, a bomb or explosion from power plant. She goes to check that out, and we cut to the U.S. Department of Agriculture Experimental Station. She comes up on a, a deaf guy that she doesn't know is deaf and is all like, hello, excuse me, hello and thankfully does not yell out at him, what are you, deaf? Yeah. Peter, Grave, uh, Peter Graves comes up behind her and scares her and then explains that Frank can't hear. There was some kind of radiation accident. It took away his voice and his hearing.
1: Yeah, so he's also nonverbal.
0: Yeah. Deaf I don't, and mute. I don't know what kind of radiation accident that was. but anyway. Yeah, seriously. He's Ed Wainwright. He does not introduce him to Dr. Wainwright, but I think he must be. Frank starts uh, picking up snails. Snails have snuck into, they're doing some sort of agriculture, you know, it's Department of Agriculture. They're doing some sort of agricultural experiments and snails have snuck in. And there's always things getting in here, which turns out to be the cause of the problem. Mm. And he doesn't think that radiation caused anything. It couldn't have been an explosion. He shows her, here's what we use and this is not
1: (laughs) anything. He Anything like he that, like opens a cabinet, see, yeah. closes see, cabinet. Ra- radiation
0: stuff I keep under the sink over here. <laughs> yeah. But they are experimenting with growing giant ass strawberries that are not edible at this point, but hopefully someday we will fill up an edible version. And claims that radiation causes photosynthesis both night and day, which is why they can grow so big. But you could get the same effect by just turning on mm-hmm. a grow lamp and that does not Called strawberries to get that big
1: right about here is where the movie starts just being like blah 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 for me okay where you can literally like just insert blah 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 to, dis- to describe what is happening in this movie <laughs> Okay.
0: i'm telling you <laughs> so he asks if uh, she wants to do a story on them and she's like oh maybe later but i gotta look into this you know town of 150 missing people back at HQ again. She wants to go to Ludlow, and they're going to start telling people tomorrow, and she wants to know, can't you give me a jump on the other reporters because I've been playing ball here? Come on, cut me a break. Help me out here. So Captain Benton takes her to see the town. It looks like a tornado hit, and I think it probably did. I think we're actually just looking at stock footage of a town. Oh, okay. Based on the budget of this movie, they did not go to the trouble to wreck any buildings.
1: Yeah. Or toys, I guess. <laughs> they
0: they must have just gotten some stock footage of either the results of an atom bomb experiment or a tornado having trashed a town.
1: Yeah. He does say, I hope you have a strong stomach and then it's just yeah. like buildings. Uh, yeah okay.
0: would, uh, yeah, you need to have a strong stomach if there are bodies laying around. But there's no right the people the people and everything apparently, any sort of pets or anything gone. Mm-hmm. But then she talks a bit about her trauma. She seems to
1: yeah, a little, a little backstory moment so, here. She has a few more mm-hmm. of these also throughout the movie, where it's just yeah, like uh, and now backstory.
0: I mark the uh, passage of time by all destroyed cities I've seen. Yeah, and seems to be having a little PTSD from her work overseas in Korea and places like that. She mentions a couple of destroyed cities that she's seen. When they get back, this is where the captain almost hits on her, but not quite. But also, is he just actually recommending some self-medification? Because he says, uh, well, you know, a good way to forget your memories is a drink. I know a little place. And she says, how could something like this have happened? And sort of cuts him off. And he just immediately drops it. So maybe he is just suggesting you should just have a drink.
1: (laughs) You look like uh, you could really use some whiskey there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then we go back to the research experimental station. Audrey's come back and Ed seems happy to see her, but he's not a creep about it. And in fact, Mm -hmm. she wants him to take her to see the destroyed silo, which I don't remember anybody mentioning before this, but maybe they did. There's some silo that was destroyed a few weeks ago. She wants him to take her to see it. And... He's like, I'm kind of busy right now. So if he was really, if he was a creep like we've seen in these other movies, he would have jumped all over that. But instead, he's like, "Uh, I don't know if I can do. Why me?
1: Why are you asking me?
0: Yeah. So I thought that was another interesting thing that it's his goal is not to get into her pants. He's trying to do his job, and he'll he'll help her if he can. But he's being a professional and treating her like a professional. Uh, Maybe we could do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But she manages to. Well, actually, Frank steps in and says we should do it. Yeah, she does try to
1: like his ego a little bit. Like, you will have a better perspective because you're a scientist, not a cop.
0: And Frank says something that is maybe flirty, but maybe not, that her lips are easy to read. So maybe that's a a
1: comment on
0: her appearance, but he doesn't. I mean, he's definitely mute, so he can't. uh, it's hard. Jeez. Maybe oh we're get. Maybe we mildly approach somebody flirting with her, but they do it secondhand through their interpreter. <laughs> so they all go. And
1: how you live, baby? Shoot <laughs> your shot, interpreter or not.
0: They all go. Uh, get in the car and drive out there, and there's some chit chat along the way, and we.
1: You mean so, more backstory?
0: <laughs> more, more backstory, more blah blah blah.
1: More blah blah blah.
0: But we find out that Ed is also familiar with her writing. So there's some some photo piece she did. He talks about every time he would see her photographic stories that it would make him think about how sheltered they are. And she says, uh, "Well, sheltered. Look at what happened to Frank." So, so she's saying, "Even doing okay. your, yeah, doing your job, you guys aren't sheltered. You're doing dangerous work too." Uh-huh. They come to the silo and talk about how it looks like it was pushed out from the inside and how it was full of wheat, but now there's nothing left. And Frank notices the ground is barren, unusually so. We find out that Frank is a botanist, but Ed is an entomologist. And he notices that the ground is devoid of insects. And then we, yeah. hear, we hear the sound and the bug. We get so we get uh, we see the giant locust and this is 27 minutes and 17 seconds and uh, the, this movie, it's a
1: grasshopper yeah
0: well, when loc- locusts are a, a breed of grasshopper species of grasshopper these are the worst effects i think that we have seen i mean it definitely definitely the worst effects that we have seen <laughs> so far it's kind of the same technique that was used in tarantula, but just not done nearly as well. Yeah. It's all split screen and back projection and done very poorly.
1: Yeah. Well, we watch it, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, the thing gets frank. Frank, No. No. Uh, Right. The two of them GTFO, cause she's all like, no, it's too late for him. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> he's gone he's gone. You can't save him. And I wrote HQ Geiger Counter. I guess they're talking about Geiger Counters at HQ. Ed and Audrey come charging I mean,
1: in. Yeah.
0: Ed is on a first name basis with Colonel Tom, and he tries to tell him hey, the problem is giant locusts. And some soldier reports that there's no evidence of an explosion. But the next they're thing trying to
1: have is he's saying, You bred these things? And he's like accidentally, yes, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah.
0: So they tell him about the giant locusts and sort of explain that it maybe is Ed's fault.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Whoopsie. Uh and they also mention that guns were found and they've been fired. And Ed keeps trying to tell them that eight some of these locusts are eight feet tall and bigger, and one of them killed Frank. Colonel is not listening. And and yeah, then then says you bred these things. First he said, I don't believe what you're telling me. And then he says, You bred these things? We saw them, and again they bring up flying saucers. These movies talk about flying saucers, but there's never flying saucers in them. <laughs> people see people see all kinds of things. They see flying saucers, they see flying.
1: We saw Frank die.
0: Yeah. It must have eaten the grain from the raided silo. So finally the the uh, colonel says, All right, I'll take I'll go out there with ten men and we'll look around. <laughs> And they go back out there and there's no body. Cause the locust ate it. So they go, into also. The- yeah. <laughs> they go into the woods and the soldiers are joking around about the situation. And one of the guys says, These days the Adam gets the blame for everything. Bad health, bad weather. Now it's grasshoppers. <laughs> okay. aye, aye. I'm not sure that's true that Adam gets the blame for everything, but sure. Then we hear the sound. Another graphic yes. shows up. Shoo, shoo. The sound.
1: <laughs> the sound, it sounds like a ceiling fan might sound if you were having a bad trip and you stared at it long enough. <laughs> it's like, a, it, this. oh, it's, I hated the sound. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Uh,
0: so anyway, they They make a fighting retreat. Guy in the truck gets on a bigger gun. And Ed shoots, too. He did mention during the backstory that he had been in the military. Yeah. So he picks up this gun and knows how to use it right away. So there
1: funny. are some also some really funny camera angles right here where it's like there will be like a close-up of the grasshopper or the locust's face. Uh-huh. You know? And it's like a close-up of his face, and it's kind of like a wiggly camera. And then it goes <laughs> to, like, the person's face that's supposedly, like, in front of him. And it's just like a close-up of, like, screaming Face and it's hysterical. It's gold.
0: <laughs> they get back to HQ and they're talking about a plan. And Eds tell them you don't have enough men. You need to call the regular army. And uh, where do where do I get off? Where do you get off?
1: Excuse me.
0: They think somebody says to somebody, "Where do you get off?" Telling me um, how to in the bathroom
1: something. like a normal person. <laughs>
0: Stupid. <Stop. Okay. laughs> Basically, you don't know what you're talking about. Don't tell me how to do my job. So they think they can handle it and they don't need to call the. Oh, where do I get off calling the regular army? The colonel is saying, Where do I get off calling the regular army and telling them it's giant grasshoppers? Well, maybe it's the fact that it's actually giant grasshoppers, but he thinks they'll lock him up, but he tells them that. Never mind that, you know. It's actually happening. Audrey and Ed discuss the situation and decide to go over the colonel's head to Washington.
1: Do you want me to tell you how the conversation went? How? Oh. It went like this, like, I'm going to Washington, blah, blah, blah. I'll go with you, blah, blah, blah. Annihilation, blah, blah, blah. Annihilation, blah, blah, blah. Annihilation, the beginning of
0: the end. <laughs> That's pretty much what I wrote down. Annihilation, the beginning of the end. But yes, we get a title line here from Ed. Oh. The title line, and they go to Washington, and we get a film presentation.
1: Yay! Is this, is this
0: the fourth one? That's another stat I need to put on. I think so. So I apart think it is four. Apart from my notes for each of these films, I have a little paper I fill in where I put the title and the year and the budget and the box office, and I have death count and Wilhelm count and racist factor so I need to add film presentation, yes or no. (laughs) Ed is giving a film presentation in a fully lit room. Somehow the projector is still working, and they can all clearly see the film presentation. (laughs) And he gives us a lot of locust facts.
1: Yes, they're they're intelligent and
0: strong, blah, 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 blah. They follow a leader. Uh, They will, if they run out of other, they eat other insects, and if they run out, they'll cannibalize each other, as we know while we were making this movie, because we've only got 12 left. (laughs) And (laughs) And he mentions that Massachusetts colonists drove them into the sea, which will be important later. So the general or whoever thanks him for his presentation, but tells him the full force of the Illinois National Guard can handle it, and you're a scientist, you know what science can do, I'm a soldier and I know what guns can do but ed tells them they've got to hit it with everything they've got and then paul paul freezes paul freezes voice comes in because a guy comes in that's not him hands him a paper and paul freezes voice says there's another call from paxton (laughs) the general takes the urgent call from paxton and immediately says i owe you an apology they have broken through our defense lines thousands of casualties They're so violent. We have no clear idea what the death count in this movie is because first they they killed two kids making out, then 150 people. Oh yeah. Now thousands of soldiers, and they're going to destroy three cities before they get to Chicago.
1: So this, I mean, as far as deaths go, this movie tops the cake for us so far.
0: I think I think it does. Yeah. So uh, I mean, almost almost all of them happen off screen. It's a
1: because
0: budget, yeah. And then Paul freeze is also the pilot in this next bit costume change on the way to Paxton. You'd think they would have mixed it up a little again, no budget, so they couldn't mix it up a little bit. You can't have him doing a voice when he's just he's not putting on a lot of different voices, it's just his voice each time. (laughs) Uh, But a pilot is on the way to Paxton and he can't land. Paxton is overrun.
1: Yeah, these grass, these locusts are just laughing at these people, like just basically like flipping them off.
0: (laughs) And then we get some chalkboard map work from the general and he gets a telegram telling him that three cities are destroyed. And he gives out a lot of orders and a Chicago general calls to say they are overrun with refugees. Ed's been testing pesticides, but it didn't even slow them down. And a newspaper asks us, is Chicago next? And At this point, Audrey, our consummate professional, comes in wearing an incredibly inappropriate dress, I feel. Did you know
1: Because that? of the cleavage? Yes. Because it just we, had the cleavage cut
0: out? Yeah. Well, the thing is, if it had just been a low-cut dress, I think it would have been less inappropriate than uh, this cutaway. She comes in wearing this black outfit that has a little cutaway section showing on yeah, cleavage. Like
1: a- like
0: a little cleavage window. I loved exactly. it. Sort of a power girl uh yes. work. Work. I, it cleavage. was no, it looked nice, but it was more of an evening wear kind of thing, I thought, not a business. Yeah. Appropriate. yeah. Not
1: not not for this meeting about how the world is about to end. Yeah. I mean so. if you if you're gonna die, die hot, I guess, you know. <laughs> oh, have you seen the uh this her shirt actually? The reason why I knew what shirt you were talking about or what her dress is because it reminded me of the there's a new uh Rihanna Fenty lingerie show that came out on Amazon last week and it is incredible. It's super inclusive. Um the shirt reminded me of a few of the pieces but the whole show is incredible. It is your like 2021 fashion show. There's like women, women of every size, every color there's a hairy woman I was like, get it, bitch. There was a disabled woman. It was super awesome. But yeah, this shirt kind of reminds me of this <laughs> line that Rihanna just put out. It's a fancy line. It's amazing. So I, yeah, watch I, it.
0: I did not see that, but I will take a look later.
1: Oh, please do. Oh, and <laughs> so, there was a pregnant woman. Okay, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> eat, my, eat my ass, Victoria's Secret. Okay, go ahead.
0: So Ed tries very hard not to look down her dress while he talks to her. Uh, mostly, <laughs> mostly succeeds, and asks her, "Weren't you supposed to go back to New York?" And she says, "I was, but I wanted to stay." And he says, "And too, come through my window." <laughs> he says it's too dangerous, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say it's not because she's a woman, but because she's a civilian.
1: Uh, because
0: because they've been doing a good job so far.
1: Yeah, and if the teddy window doesn't prove it,
0: <laughs> but I, I do think we. This is also just showing it's. It's a very tepid romance, but they're yeah. trying to hint. They're just trying to show us that he is concerned for her safety, I think. But this is possibly, we've had some pretty tepid romances. The one in them was, was pretty cold to lukewarm. This one might be even more so. Yeah, yeah. Is, this just, is this just another way of copying them? Like, we have to put these <laughs> two people in who seem attracted to each other, but don't do anything about it. I think in them, they actually went on a date because they did the interrupted date bit. Yeah. <laughs> These guys don't even get, there's not enough time. These locusts are tearing shit up. No time for dating.
1: <laughs> uh, but it sure is, it, is.
0: It, it really is too dangerous though. Maybe she shouldn't. And yeah, here I wrote boob window worse than low cut. You wrote what? Boob window worse than low cut. <laughs> and then Ed misquotes the Bible when he says something about the beasts inheriting the earth. Oh, Ed, come on now. It's the meek who will inherit the earth, not the beasts. And we got the news guy telling us about how the, unlike your normal enemy, these creatures give us a high-pitched screech to warn of the attack. And it will get higher and higher pitched until it reaches a peak, and then they attack. And back, and just as he explains this, back at HQ, we hear the screech and cut to some stock footage of panic in the streets. It has to be stock footage because there's no way they hired any extras to run around the streets. Uh, The army fights, stock footage of tanks and planes and helicopters.
1: With their tanks and their bombs (laughs) and their bombs.
0: And apparently the locusts are well enough organized to attack in a spearhead formation to try to breach the line. And the news tells us that they've reached the Chicago South Side and suburbs. And I wanted to know where is. Leroy Brown if they're it's on the south
1: side, side of, it, so of
0: Chicago they need to look out for bad bad Leroy <laughs> Brown
1: baddest man in the whole damn town
0: and a guy in a helicopter I think it's Paul Freeze again tells them to keep calm and take shelter in basements which I think is a great t-shirt idea <laughs> you know like this keep calm is, yeah keep calm and carry on and there's all these variations <laughs> keep keep calm and call batman i think we need to make a keep calm and take shelter in basements
1: oh my <laughs> gosh i am so down if you guys want a keep calm and what is it
0: take shelter in basements
1: take shelter in basements uh sure you know let us know
0: sure uh but there's a lot of panic paul freeze in the helicopter It's a little two-man helicopter. T keeps telling everybody, do not panic, but there's lots of panic.
1: Lots of panic. And
0: here's where we get our first, uh, cheapest effect in the world, where (laughs) the grasshoppers climb up a still photograph of a building.
1: Oh, yeah. It's bad.
0: It almost works until at one point one of the grasshoppers steps on the sky. Yeah. (laughs) steps off to the side and I think there's a point where they've cut out along the top of the building. So it looks like the grasshopper's coming over the roof. But yeah, it's a pretty, pretty bad effect. And it really get a- is,
1: especially the like color of... You can just tell like, the color of the grasshopper contrasted to the color of the building that it's just an image.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm sure if we study and see that the shadows don't line up properly or anything... And then we get a King Kong bit.
1: Yay, the girl in the window.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're giving it a yay? I'm giving it a it. (laughs) Ah. But yeah, there's a lady in a towel drying her hair or something, and the grasshopper peeks through the window, and then it crashes through and gets her, doesn't it? Yes, because I wrote down it's a really good window, because she can't hear anything until he breaks it, and then the screeching sound comes through.
1: And is she in a towel, question mark? Yeah. Was she yes. nudie?
0: Well, I mean, and... we don't see... She's wearing nothing but a towel. And yeah. probably a second towel on her head. But no, we don't get any. It's on there pretty securely. Well, of course, of course. At HQ, the general has sent for Ed and Audrey to tell them that the locusts have stopped their advance. And Ed explains that when the temperature gets below 60 degrees, they stop moving. But... They'll try to go in and just kill them because if they're provoked, they'll start moving again. The general wants to drop an A bomb tomorrow and asks if it's possible that they'll die during the night, but Ed tells him it won't get that cold. It needs to be below 14 degrees for 24 hours for them to die from the cold. And he suggests driving them, or Audrey says something that gives Ed the idea to drive them into the ocean. Oh, no, Audrey says, Can we drive them into the ocean? And Ed says, why not drive, but attract. If we could reproduce the call, it would draw them into the ocean. asks him, what do you need? And he needs a lot of stuff and a live giant grasshopper.
1: Meh. Uh, you want to <laughs> take a break?
0: Yeah, let's take a break here and get a word from our sponsor. Uh-huh. And we're back. So Ed goes into the streets with some soldiers to try to find a live giant grasshopper. And Ed and the colonel find one in the alley and gas it. <laughs> it seemed to me like they are a little late putting their masks on. They had gas masks and They should have had them on yeah. ready. They wait till they see the grasshopper and then start putting their masks on and throwing the gas grenades. And it seems like he could have gotten them if it had been a little quicker. Yeah. And they blow, uh, Ed or somebody blows a whistle and calls, hey, we got one. Come get it. And it cuts to back at HQ. They have it in a plexiglass cage. How Ugh. this thing—it is huge. This thing is huge. Way too big to. Yeah, how'd you get it in? Way too big. Too big to fit into the freight elevator, or to fit through the doors, or down the halls. But they have somehow built this thing, and fortunately, it's one of the smaller ones. Uh, they also mentioned we put up this cage in a hurry, and it's maybe not too stable. So great. And a ma- uh, some major talks about, uh, I'm 37 years old. Till now, I always took life for granted. <laughs> and they have the grasshopper hooked up to a polygraph. Well, they just they have some- Yeah, a lie detector test. <laughs> yeah, they've done this by just running some copper wiring along the floor. Or so the grasshopper stands on it. They did not put little clips on the tips of his fingers or anything.
1: Like, is your name the Locust Grasshopper?
0: (laughs) But this will measure the reaction. They're going to try a bunch of different frequencies and look for a reaction. And later, they've clearly been working for a while because Ed has undone his tie. General Wainwright says, you've had your chance. No, says the general says to Wainwright, that's Ed. You've had your chance. Now it's the Air Force's turn. it's like no come on i've almost got it please and the general tells him you've got like an hour and a half and then he calls the bomber plane and tells him to drop the bomb in 90 minutes unless he calls and tells him not to tries to move ed to a new lab and but ed wants to stay he's all i've tried fixed frequencies and filtered frequencies and now i need to try harmonic frequencies but i need time and Audrey's going to stay too and Ed's all you shouldn't stay just for a story and she's like it's not for the story so we get another tiny little moment of romance
1: oh implying
0: that she's worried about Ed so the general says all right yeah. two, well, two men put leave two men here with you three men out on observation points and a helicopter but you need to get away there's going to be a getaway car for you downstairs you should use it by 5:45 cuz they're going to drop the bomb at 6:30 Contact me if you're successful so I can stop the bomb. And then we get a rather long, drawn-out thing of him trying different frequencies. Uh, 5.15, he's still working. Yeah. 5.40, he's still working at some point. He takes his jacket off because he's working so hard. 6 o'clock, he's still working. He should have left by now, but he's still working. And all through this, it seems to me that the grasshopper is reacting. He's banging the wall and stuff, And but I guess it's just not a big enough reaction for Ed.
1: Yeah, or the the kind of reaction. Yeah. I don't know. I, I
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. Finally, he does have a reaction big enough because it breaks out, kills a soldier, and then Ed <laughs> fills it full of lead. And it works. We've been shooting these grasshoppers all along, and it doesn't seem to affect any of them. For some reason, Ed is able to kill this one right now.
1: My hero.
0: <laughs> and then he tells... Uh, tells the soldier cover uh, cover him up the soldier, the dead guy cover him up and get that thing out of here how how is this <laughs> one guy supposed to get that dead grasshopper out of here and where is he supposed to put it just out on the street i guess it's ridiculous
1: out on the streets we set oh. it on fire
0: and at this point there is a mannequin soldier also did you what? notice this guy? So he said he was leaving two guys, right? One guy is dead. The other guy is moving around doing stuff. And there's another guy, a third guy, who's just standing there and he's not moving at all. And it looks to me like he's a mannequin. Oh my and God. How did I once, miss? Was he there all the time? Is this some sort of display <gasps> that they have, or like <sighs> a recruiting mannequin or something? I don't know why this guy was there. It was really weird. But yeah, he doesn't move at all. Oh my gosh. I think he's just a mannequin. It's,
1: oh man, I did not notice.
0: Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Jesus. So he calls the general, tells him to call off the strike, and he does, and then he calls Ed back, and Ed says, uh, get out on that boat, and I'll be your Pied Piper. So there's a speaker on the building that will lure the locusts to the building, and then the plan is they'll turn that speaker off and turn on one on the boat, which will lure them into the water. The observation posts will confirm when they're all at the location. Post two calls in from the Art Institute. Post three calls from the top of the hotel. Uh, Post one hasn't called in yet. Where are you? What are you doing? And he says, I'm in the middle of it. They're all here. And Paul Freeze is in the observation copter. I guess it's the same copter from before when he was telling people not to panic. General says, the boat's not ready yet. and it says, I'd really like to start. And General says, I don't think you should, but I really want to. Okay, fine. We get a shot of the corner of Wacker and State, which I just found to be an amusing corner. The locusts are coming down the street at Wacker and State. And they climb the pitcher again, and the guy in the hotel gets oh. it. Oh. The guy on the hotel roof gives not quite a Wilhelm scream. And yeah, this-
1: although this confused me. The guy on the hotel... With his binoculars. How are you on a hotel with binoculars looking around and you do not know that there is a giant grasshopper <laughs> coming up yeah, to get he's, you?
0: He's just looking in one direction, not panning around. Oh, and this is where we see one of them touch reach out like uh, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Excuse me while I touch the sky. Uh, Jimmy kisses the sky, I guess. Grasshopper touches the sky. And the boat's ready as soon as they get clearance from the observation posts. They tell him you need to hold off a little longer. The locusts are not quite there. So uh, Ed and the soldier shoot locusts out the window, and the (laughs) locusts... The director tilts the picture in order to make the locusts slide (laughs) down the building when they've been shot. That is how the effect is done they finally get the all clear is more shooting audrey turns off the sound the boat turns on its sound the helicopter reports they're swarming into the water climbing all over each other to get into the water and oh, we God. see just a little bit because there's only 12 of them left by production <laughs> time so we get a rather anticlimactic uh yeah but it's bit.
1: awful oh
0: that they're actually being drowned or
1: yeah, that you can. This is the only part of the movie that looks realistic because it is.
0: <laughs> Many locusts were harmed <laughs> in the making of this motion picture. Uh. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of anticlimactic. It goes pretty quickly, and then the general says, "Head for shore," and we get a very chaste hug between Ed and Audrey. Not Gee,
1: a, Mister, you're really strong.
0: There's not a kiss. Not even a kiss on the cheek or the forehead, just a very wholesome hug and then a quick cut back to the boat and then the
1: end. Well, do they hug and then they they like take a moment to like stare at each other and then hug again. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh I guess they start dating. Or he might just shake her hand and say, "Well, it was nice working with you. I look forward to reading your write-up in the paper of our adventure."
1: Yes, because he is a fucking gentleman.
0: That's right. she's gonna have to make the first move. I think she was trying to tell him something with that dress, so that was beginning of the end.
1: blah, blah blah. There was so much information in this movie that was just like uh, so drained.
0: I I keep forgetting to institute a ratings system on a five star scale. How many stars do you give this movie?
1: Like all together, like all the way around, just as a movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, I I don't hate it as much as I've hated other movies.
0: Okay, so one star is I hated it. Two is I didn't like it. Three is it was okay. Four is I liked it. And five is I loved it.
1: Okay, I'm going to say this is like a 2.4. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think I'll give it a 2, and mostly because of how Audrey is presented. Nice. I think I might have yeah. liked it much less if there was a bunch of creepy behavior like we've seen in other movies.
1: Yeah.
0: So I guess that's all we have to say about that.
1: <laughs> and done. <laughs> and <the> seen. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't
0: that good. No, we watch
1: it no. so you don't have to, you know? Yep. And uh
0: here we are. Yeah. Oh, and here's something I always forget to do, is talk about what next week's movie will be.
1: Stay tuned for next week's episode of Monster Movie Fun Time.
0: Go! It'll be The Black Scorpion. What year is it? It is also 1957. 1957, we will have The Black Scorpion, The Deadly Mantis, and The Giant Claw. Thank you for joining us. Remember to take shelter in basements. And we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go.
1: Monster Movie Funtime Go.
0: You've been listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg. I know. <laughs>